Hello, good evening and welcome to ESPN Cricket Info Stump Mic. I'm Karthik Ayer speaking to you after day 4 of India versus England in Chennai, a day when 15 wickets fell. Ashwin got a 6-4. Ishan Sharma reached his 300th wicket in test cricket. But it also seems like a day that basically just set up tomorrow the fifth and final day of the opening test between these two great sides competing for a place in the world test championship final with me today as he has been on the previous 3 days of this test match is Matt Roller hey Matt hey how's it going um yeah i thought that was, you put it exactly right there when you said it was just a day that sort of happened so that tomorrow could um plenty to talk about i suppose looking forward to t- tomorrow and the army of england's declaration and all that sort of thing but um yeah quite a surreal day of test cricket really the uh, the weirdest of the test so far The weirdest of the test so far. Okay, we will get back to that, but let's introduce your fellow panelists, Devan Sen. Devan, how have you enjoyed this test match? And I'm sure you are looking forward to tomorrow. It's not. It's not going to be a bold, boring, dull draw, will it? No, it doesn't look like. Uh, especially looking at the fact that Cheteshwar Pujara what hit, I think, his first or his second ball, you know, cutting it through point for four. So when a guy like Pujara does that, then you know that the Indians are going to approach this with positive intent. and yes it's been a interesting year already in test cricket it's been the year of uh, away teams but it's also been the year of interesting fourth innings chases so uh, i think tomorrow is set up absolutely perfectly this is not entirely out of india's reach but if you ask me honestly then i'd rather be in the english dressing room at the moment okay so let's talk to an englishman about that mac would you rather be in your home dressing room right now yeah absolutely i think um it's quite an odd position this because it will be easy to overlook the fact that england have you know pretty much dominated for for large periods of the last four days um with all this talk about their declaration and all the sort of the the oddity after tea of uh, of, of bess and butler sort of almost shutting up shop and uh you know looking ahead to the final day everyone will instantly go back to to the gaver and also to um the test in bangladesh this week um but realistically looking looking at that i think a draw is a much more likely outcome than an indian win i would suggest just just for the sheer number of runs um that england have on the board um and yeah i think uh i think england will be quietly confident of their chances of uh, of forcing the win they need nine wickets in 90 overs and i think they have the bowlers to do it okay so shane won tweets yeah matt england's mindset is let's not lose this test match rather than what's the best way to win this test match and how many overs could we need this batting on decision is now putting a lot of pressure on england's bowlers and particularly their spinners exclamation mark now is this just a bit of ashes banter or does he have a point here yeah it's a tricky one first of all i want to say we should we should probably um take take shame one's tweets with a little bit of a pinch of salt i saw he had he had he had a good interaction uh, over the weekend i don't know if anyone saw it but um quote tweeting an account that uh, sort of tweets out random facts that said there are more stars in the sky than grains of sand on the earth and he quote tweeted <laughs> it with that can't that can't be true surely <laughs> um so i'm, I'm loath to give it too much attention um what i would say is that that whole innings as i sort of said was quite surreal and at times it was difficult to understand exactly what england's intentions were i thought um i think in a way roots innings and how easy he made batting look um in, in this today that is um not his not his double um sort of muddied the waters a little bit in terms of what england's scoring rate was and what their intent should be um because he he scored so quickly and so fluently i think he was on 21 off 11 balls at one point 
um, that it made it look as though England was sort of rocketing along and trying to uh, set, a, set a target like sort of, I don't know, 450 in 120 overs rather than the what turned out to be 420 in 107. Um, and as a result, it, it seemed particularly strange when they sort of shut up shop after tea. Um, I've not had the press conferences, um, but I would imagine that England would explain the decision by saying that they um, didn't want to, to risk losing um, a test that, that they've dominated for, for such a long time. Um, not just because it would be a, a damaging result in itself, but also because going 1-0 down and in the series having played so well would be pretty damaging in terms of the team's confidence. Um, but to be honest, I don't... I don't think England did too much wrong. They've still given themselves a pretty good chance of winning. As I say, they need nine wickets and 90 overs. And I, I, I think if they don't force the win tomorrow, then I don't think it will be because of the fact that they didn't leave themselves enough time. I think it will be because they haven't bowled well enough um, because the pitch is clearly offering quite a lot for both seamers and spinners, especially with the new ball, as we saw throughout the day. There are a couple um, that Boomer bowled that kept very low. There, there was plenty of bounce uh, on offer for the spinners and, and Ashwin in particular. Um, and yeah, I, I basically think that England are, are in a very strong position and that it would be easy to overlook that because of the uh, the sort of surreal nature of the afternoon. And let's let's not forget that India have a very recent previous in both saving a test match and winning a test match when, when it seemed improbable. Now, for balance, Debayan, let's also get Michael Warren's tweet in. Yeah, because he's, he's also saying something on similar lines where he says, I hope this last hour's mentality doesn't come back to bite England tomorrow. Double exclamation mark. Yeah, if uh, Shane Warne is one Twitter account that you don't want to quote too often, then probably number two on that list would be Michael Warne. <laughs> he's also a little bit uh, out there sometimes with his opinions. But I think for a change, I actually agree with the two gentlemen. And I'll just uh, disagree slightly with Matt. I think, uh, uh, let's put it all in perspective. This is probably England's best chance in the series. Because in many respects, England are in some ways the home side going into this match. They've just recently played a couple of test matches in Sri Lanka in similar conditions. The Indians are coming in from Australia, then they've been home for about five, six days, then be, they've been straight to Chennai into quarantine. So they are they are taking their time to adjust to the uh, different kind of conditions, the different lengths to bowl to, the different kind of uh, footwork to expect against the ball. So England have played this quite perfectly for about three days. But today, uh, as Matt said, the, the bit, uh, say, post-T was a little bit surreal because I thought what they did was by T, they had got themselves into a position where the lead was ample enough. Uh, if you go on to lose from there, then you've got to give credit to the opposition. But you've got to be a little bit more positive. You've got to give your uh, bowlers a little bit more time. And you've got to just dangle that carrot in front of the Indians. Now, what this has done is uh, credit to the Indians that they're still playing quite positively. But tomorrow, they have the option of actually getting quite defensive if they want to. And I don't think this pitch is really offering all that much. If you look at some of the aerial shots as well, most of the dusting around has happened quite close to the footmarks, uh, very close to the crease. So if you have to try and obtain some variable bounce as a spinner, then you've got to overpitch. And that's where scoring opportunities also open up for the batsmen. So uh, by and large, I think uh, spinners still have to be quite consistent with their line and lengths. They can't afford to get impatient. I think Jack Leach bowled arguably the ball of the uh, match so far to dismiss Rohit Sharma. Uh, and that showed that this pitch on itself can offer enough uh, for the bowlers. 
So uh, I would have thought that they should have aimed to give at least a minimum of about 120, 125 overs for the Indians to bat. Uh, they've just fallen about 15, uh, 20 overs short of that. And that happened because they were strangely subdued post-T. I, I thought that was the stage where they should have just gone for a little bit of a bash and just given themselves a few extra overs to bowl at the Indians. But that said, yes, I mean, nine wickets in a day is not unheard of. It, it can happen. They have a, a good quality attack at their disposal to uh, get after the Indians. But you have to remember that uh, most of these Indian players were sort of uh, either playing their first match since the Australian tour or playing their first match after a long time. I think the Indian top and middle order will be a lot better in the second innings, which is why I don't think uh, India should be sort of, you know, expected to lose this game. Let's use a very common cricketing cliche there. Debayan, uh, England should have gone hell for leather after after tea. Now, while you agree with uh, the two esteemed ex cricketers, I I kind of need to side with Matt here because I think coming if if England were to go on and lose this Test match and then coming back from a one nil series deficit in India is is nigh on impossible. And I say this knowing very well that England did the exact same thing in 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 two thousand twelve. But let's get back to that one wicket you spoke about, yeah, Debayan. Uh, the one of Rohit Sharma, the ball of the test match, you called it. So I say this only partly tongue-in-cheek. Is it time to start criticising Rohit Sharma right now? Well, uh, he has the lack of numbers to back it, sadly. But, uh, I mean, every time you watch him bat, you just wonder why he doesn't get more massive runs. He's he's always at ease. I know he was rushed a bit by one of the bouncers that he faced. But the very next ball, he just deposited it deep into uh, the deep square leg region for six. So, he's got that uh, just inherent ability to uh, rattle the opposition along and really get some quick runs in. So... Um, and, of course, a lot of parallels were being drawn. I noticed even in the broadcast here in India, the studio expert VVS Lakshman was invoking the Chennai test of 2008, where Virendra Sehwag essentially had set India up with a quick-fire 87. So, you expect that kind of an innings from Rohit Sharma. And when he falls short, you obviously feel a little disappointed and a little let down. But uh, he, he really got a very good ball because there, there's not a lot wrong he did with it. Uh, it was on a good length. It was straightish. He had to play at it. And it just spun a bit more than he expected. So, uh, full credit to Jack Leach for bowling that kind of a delivery that early to a batsman who hadn't settled in. And yes, I mean, there will be question marks about, uh, you know, Rohit Sharma and his lack of consistency. But I just think, I don't know, maybe Matt can offer us an uh, insight as somebody who's not from the India camp about, you know, how, how he views him. Yeah, Matt, just, just before you answer that, I want to set some context here. So, because before you joined us for the recording, Debayan and, and I were chatting. Because Rohit Sharma... Gets gets a reaction from an Indian cricketing fan, yeah. Particularly when it comes to Rohit Sharma in in Test cricket, a lot of criticism goes along with some praise that has come in pretty recently. You have to say, especially once he's been pushed up the order. Now you are a T Twenty nut. You have seen Rohit Sharma, the absolute goat T Twenty cricket. T20 captain and cricketer as well. How do you, from an outsider's point of view, view him as a test batsman? And and where does he fit in if he does in India's best test 11? Well, it's a tricky one. I think um, the sort of prevailing view I've got is that he's, you know, he's a, he's a genius in home conditions and has probably struggled quite badly away from home. Um, I think even after today, he's averaging sort of close to 80 in, in home tests. Um 
but the, the question mark has always been about him overseas. And I suppose that's, you know, his run as an opener has largely coincided with India being extremely dominant. So um, in home conditions, that is especially. So it, I, I would be, um, I, 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 as I say, I think it would be too harsh to, to be overly critical of, of Rohit, um, as the Bayern says, because he did get a very good ball um, that turned sharply. Um, and yeah, I... I don't know. I think it's a tricky one. He, from what I saw of the Australia series, he looked really good every time he he batted, which I think was only the last two tests. Um, but then sort of kept kept on just about managing to get out to actually pretty good balls. Um, so yeah, I I don't. I, the the honest answer is I I don't know whether whether he fits into sort of India's long term plans in their best eleven. But for now, I can't really see how he'd be replaced in the in this series unless he fails in both of the next two tests. Um, but yeah, I think it's, um, again, th- these are, these are questions that I didn't necessarily expect we would be asking at the, uh, at the start, at the start of this test. This is not more of, I mean, we, we, none of us, I think here expects Rohit Sharma, Rohit Sharma's position to even be questioned it was just more of how is he viewed? We, we have yeah, yeah. all have an opinion of him here, here in India. Like every single one <laughs> of us has, has an opinion about every cricketer and Rohit Sharma is right at the top of that list. It was more about how he's viewed as a test cricketer like like how maybe butler is for, was for you guys at, at at a certain point in time this, yeah. this guy who's who's a great in limited overs how is he viewed in the test format yeah i think that's exactly it and i think people are sort of i don't know i think there's a lot of maybe similar to pant in a certain way at times in that people are always more critical when people seem to be batting effortlessly and then um get out playing an attacking shot or something like that um but yeah i think i my point there is simply that I didn't think a week ago that we would be uh, that there would be any kind of scrutiny on any of India's top six, to be honest, because I thought I, I, I simply came into this series assuming that even if England competed pretty well and played played pretty well, that they would end up losing three or four nil simply because I think India have lost one home test in the last seven or eight years. So um, I think the fact that the fact that we're even um, you know mentioning whether whether Rohit is a is a long term option probably just demonstrates how well England have done. Um, so far in this test, um, but yeah, no, it'll be be interesting to see as the uh, as the series progresses. Yeah, England of course need nine wickets tomorrow. They have three hundred and eighty-one runs to play with, so so that's that's a lot. England are clear favourites. Deban, let's go back to earlier in the day. Ishan Sharma he took his three hundred test wicket, a milestone for for him, but he's taken ninety-eight tests to do so, and and by a lot of people's suggestions, it has. That, that that's a few too many tests to reach to reach that mark, especially when your main skill is fast bowling and opening with with the new ball. How do you view Ishan Sharma? And I know all of our perceptions of him have changed from when he started to that middle dry spell to now when he is arguably the number one or number two fast bowler for India. Yeah, I must uh, confess that I have always been a believer in Ishan Sharma, and not just because uh, we both come from Delhi. Uh, it's it's simply that he offers you a little different. It's it's something quite different from what most Indian pace bowlers have traditionally offered. He's he's got that height, he's got that uh, smooth release, he's got a good wrist, and he's got that ability also to swing the ball. And he's quite accurate. These some fundamentals of his bowling have always been the same, right? From that uh, magical spell in his very first tour uh, when he got Ricky Ponting uh, caught in the channel. 
but yes, he has uh, endured a period in between when he was quite poor and full credit to the management for sticking with him because now we are getting to see the rewards. He's obviously uh, had some good work put into him by the uh, bowling coach Bharat Arun and by the other members of the support staff. So the last uh, three, four years or something have been phenomenal by his standards. I noticed that our editor-in-chief, Sambit, he also tweeted something on similar lines that you must uh, look at Ishan Sharma's career in three distinct phases. And that's that's a fair comment, I think. But if you look at purely the numbers itself, you know, growing up for all of us, our biggest idol ever was Kapil Dev. Like, he was pretty much the GOAT. And I mean, he I think he will always remain the GOAT of Indian cricket. But even Kapil Dev, when he got to that record mark where he passed Richard Hadley, he ended up with 434 wickets in 131 test matches. So that's just marginally bit more in terms of you know wickets per test match than what uh, Rohit Sh- uh, Ishan Sharma sh- sorry has managed till now. So that just tells you that the life of a fast bowler in Indian conditions is quite difficult because you are normally expected to pretty much just take the shine off the new ball. Uh, if you strike a few wickets, it's great, it's a bonus. And then, of course, you come back later on when reverse swing becomes a little bit of a thing on these abrasive surfaces. So it's not easy to really sustain a great uh, fast bowling career through all these years. And to be uh, almost an automatic pick in most of these uh, matches, in most of these years, to have had the kind of career he's had, the longevity he's had, it's it's quite good. And uh, for somebody who's as old as he is, he's still quite fit and he still has a few years of fast bowling in, in him, surely. So that's a positive. I think he can only play a, a pivotal role going forward for India in both the home and overseas test matches. I, I, uh, congratulations to him. He's really been a champion bowler, even though the numbers probably don't do him justice. Hmm. I'm I'm glad actually. Just going back to the previous point from Matt, I am glad that Jack Leach bowled that ball and and got that wicket today. Because Matt, after speaking to you for the past for the past few days for the past few weeks, I I get the feeling that uh, a lot of opinion is that Bess is getting the wickets that Leach is working towards. And yeah. Leach has not 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 bowled as badly, and I just want to direct you towards a tweet, yeah, because I thought of you immediately when I read this. It's by <laughs> at at AB Wan. It was Dom Bess unlucky today morning. This is this morning. He has deployed all the weapons in his arsenal: a short ball, full toss, half volley, <laughs> terrible luck. Another day, he would have gotten all four remaining wickets with these beauties. Yeah, it, it, I, I was very pleased for Leach actually. I thought um, it, it was quite interesting. I sort of ran the numbers and checked the um, the splits between his uh, his figures before and after Pant was out. Um, so his, his first eight overs when Pant was batting um, were none for seventy seven yesterday, which is about as ugly as you'll see in Test cricket. And then since then, uh, sixteen overs, five maidens, two for twenty eight. Um, and of course, you know, he's he's largely bowling to the lower order there and he's largely bowling to right handers um, who we sort of know he has a bit of a preference for compared to the lefties. But I think that sort of just further demonstrates the, the resilience that he has as a as a cricketer. And I think, yeah, he probably he probably hasn't got um, quite as many wickets as he's as he's uh, merited over the past three weeks. And who knows, maybe that'll even itself out over the next uh over the next three tests, but yeah, I think he's got a huge role to play tomorrow. Um, just sort of looking at looking at that Indian lineup, and you know, Pajara and Kohli both have such good records against left arm spin. Um, so you know, it's a, it's an enormous challenge. There's a huge amount of pressure on him having to bowl the team out um, in conditions where he's expected to take wickets. 
Um, but then equally, he's used to that. Admittedly, county cricket is clearly a, a, a completely different challenge to, to bowling in Chennai on a f- fifth day. But at Somerset, he is very much the, the wicket taker. They prepare turning pitches for him. And um, he, he's used to the challenge of rocking up on day three or four and knowing that he's going to have to bowl 20 plus overs um, on the bounce at times and and roll through a team. So fingers crossed for him um, because I think he's he's sort of earned... Um, a day of rewards, and I think it'll be great for him and great for England if 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 he can uh, if he can perform tomorrow. I think uh, this perception that Leach didn't bowl very well in the first innings, uh, as also the fact that you know India got as close to England as they did, and the fact that England were loath to uh, declare, is all a tribute to the way that Pant batted in that first innings. I, I mean, we uh, you guys did discuss it on the podcast yesterday as well that you know. Um, we are unanimous that he's a bit of a maverick, but he's also the kind of a game-changing batsman that we haven't seen in probably a wicketkeeper in Test match cricket since Adam Gilchrist. And I don't say that lightly. Uh, this is a, a huge discovery for India and a huge uh, tick that they have, uh, a huge positive that they have ticked from this particular Test match. That they can use Rishabh Pant at home. If you notice today, his keeping was marginally better than the first inning. So that's where he's also improving in that craft. And he can now be treated as a mainstream batsman because if you look at the all-dominant Australian team of the you know 2000s, with Adam Gilchrist as an insurance at number seven, they never bothered about you know having a full-fledged all-rounder. They could always go in with six batsmen and four proper bowlers. It was only a bonus when you know the likes of Shane Warne or Brett Lee or Jason Gillespie just chipped in with runs. But that was not their main concern. They were left to completely you know concentrate on their bowling. So that's what uh, the two positives that have come out of this test match for India, even if they go on to lose. One is obviously Rishabh Pant, that you can trust him with the gloves and give him a longer rope even at home. And the second, I think, is Washington Sundar. The innings that he played, I think that proves that you can consider him to be a mainstream batsman. So India have got that part of their team balance absolutely spot on now. And now they just need to concentrate on picking their four best bowlers for the conditions. I just wanted to add as well that on Pant... um... I think England would have happily declared 10 overs sooner uh, if Sahar, for example, had been playing ahead of Pant. I think the idea that of him coming in and, and doing what he did to Leach again is, is definitely influenced that decision um, and also his, his innings at the Gabba, of course. Um, so I think, yeah, it, that, that just adds to, to Pant's brilliance and the brilliance of that innings. All right. It's, it's that time of the podcast, Matt. Will, is that what is going to happen tomorrow? Will, will Pant change the momentum of, of this game? How do you see it heading? Because currently, as 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 it stands, yeah, India are at 39 for one. The target is still 381 more runs away. I don't think that's probably in India's mind at this moment in time at all. They have nine wickets in hand. England will come back fresh. They know that maybe two of their players are going to, two of their bowlers could, could even get a rest for the for the next test if, if, if need be. Because there's a very short change over time between the two tests, but England are going to go all out. Matt, we'll start with you. What do you see happening on the fifth and final day at Chapok? I don't think India will, will chase the runs down. Feel free to, to clip this and put it all over social media tomorrow when they <laughs> win with uh, with an hour left, two, two wickets down. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think they'll um, get particularly close to the target. I think there's probably a pretty even chance of an England win and a draw. Having been pessimistic about England's chances throughout this test, I think uh, I'll flip that on its head and say that they'll win by maybe around 100 runs with uh, at some point in the final session. England to win from Matt Roller. Debayan. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the couple of times that you've had me on this podcast, I have said that uh, I fancy England's chances as well. Um, they are definitely favourites for me going forward, but I'll be quite interested to see the Indian approach, whether they do some reshuffle with the batting order. I think the key wicket tomorrow really is Pujara, if you think about it, from any perspective. If England have to win, they have to get rid of him early. If India have to win, then Pujara needs to bat deep because uh, the way that he started today, I think his uh, strike rate is already above 50. So that tells you that he's got come out with positive intent, he's looking for shots and he's going to take on the spinners. So how uh, Joe Root uses his seamers, for example, I don't think James Anderson is, has got too much out of the surface anyway. So he may not be that much of a threat apart from just keeping the run, run scoring down. Uh, Archer will have to bowl really well for them. Uh, if he strikes a couple of blows early, then England are right into this. So India's numbers, I guess, 8, 9, 10 aren't that great with the bat. So you have to think from England's perspective that they'll be aiming to get six wickets inside the first two sessions. If they do that, then that will set them up beautifully. But if they fall short, if they get, say, about three or four wickets inside the first two sessions, then it could become quite difficult for them. So, uh, lots of quality in that Indian batting lineup, And as I said before, they're all eager and hungry to you know make up for uh, the first innings lapse. So, I would expect a good batting performance from the Indians. And yeah, I mean, let's hope that maybe all uh, results are possible going into the final session. That could set us up for a really uh, exciting finish. That sounds like both of you all... Matt more so than Deban, but are justifi- justifiably favoring favoring England. Now, considering that's the case, let's ask one more question. Get get you guys to make one more prediction on this podcast. If England are going to win this test match, Deban will start with you. Then we'll go to Matt. Who is going to be that star bowler? Um, I think actually Dom Bess. I think uh, he's he's quite good. Uh, he does get a few lucky wickets, but more than anything else, most of what he does is out of consistency with line and length. So, that is the kind of bowler that you need on a day five surface at Chepok. And uh, yes, I mean, if if he gets maybe four or five wickets again, then that could bring them into business. Probably not going to give you a straight answer there, but I, I think that Stokes could be a really important consideration. Um, he, he didn't bowl a huge amount in the first innings and sort of limped at one point in his, after delivering. So, I'm not 100% sure um, as to how fit he is to bowl. But assuming he's fit to bowl, I think he's he's hugely important in terms of the fact that he does offer England something um, quite different because the uh, the fact that he is as adaptable as he is, and England have often used him as a sort of short ball burst bowler um, recently, as well as someone who can get reverse swing in Asia. And he has a very good record in Asia. Um, I think that means that um, they can sort of afford to have him and Archer operating in, sep- in different roles. Archer may be pitching the ball up a bit more um, sort of hitting the pitch hard on a length rather than banging it in. Um, and I think that, yeah, Stokes has a valuable uh, role to play. And yeah, I think uh, obviously obviously England can't afford the spinners to to bowl badly. But I think if Stokes can pop up with a wicket or two um, of a big name player, then uh, that, that'll be absolutely crucial. Excellent. Matt and Dibayan, you all have been pretty much spot on in your prediction so far in, in this test match. We're going to hold you to it tomorrow for your predictions for the fifth and the final day. Until then, have a great evening. Enjoy the fifth day. We'll see you next time on ESPN Click Info Stump Fight.